Captain, you will do nothing, and that is an order. Yes, sir. I understand, sir. I don't. Diana, I know this is confusing. This is not confusing, Who is this woman? She's with me. She's with us, sir. I am sir. not. I am not with you. You would knowingly sacrifice all those lives as if they mean less than yours. Diana, let's talk as about As if they outside. mean nothing. Where I come from, Diana. generals don't hide in their offices like cowards. That's enough. They fight alongside their soldiers. They die with that's, them on the battlefield. That's enough. You My should apologies. be ashamed. My apologies. You should be ashamed. Diana. All of you Diana. should be ashamed. I know I don't know much about you But racing through my head all thoughts about you Yeah You know I never try to hurt you You know And I hate to see you go Yeah I got something to say Welcome back to the show, Podchat listeners This is your host, Jordan Smith. I'm joined once again by co-host Quinn Kaiser. Say what up, Quinn. Hey, find me on Twitter at HelloQuinny. Let's do this. Just knock the Twitter handles out right away. Sure, why not? Follow me at Jordan underscore Smith 27. Catch me on the RB1 podcast as well. That comes out on Tuesdays. Um, We are a little teensy just a little bit late with this podcast because justice league is already in theaters, but according to the box office draw, not everybody saw it, which is a travesty because we will talk about that as soon as Quinn sees it, but I'll, are, yeah, I'll be the fall guy. Uh, I'm, I'm holding you up. I had, a, had the big sis's wedding. Congrats to them. Um, and then after that, I took off to San Diego for, for a little annual conference with the, the company uh, I'm feeling all good, ready to go, ready to hit up the movie theater this weekend and nice. and get after it. Yeah, so sorry about the delay, but you know what? We're grown-ass adults. This isn't our day <laughs> job. And, you know, we got shit to do. Uh, but, yeah, definitely congrats to Rachel and Jesus Crespo or Crespo Kaiser. Or What are they going with that one? Uh, I think they're going with um, Rachel and Jesus Pokemon. No, um, I think they went <laughs> Crespo. Um, they just got back from their honeymoon in Japan, lived it up. Um, yeah, good times. Excited for them. Got to stand up. Thank you to them for letting me be a best man. And Jordan's that sounds, next. That sounds dope. That sounds dope. Um, they're not a best man. I don't know. Groomsman, that's a better word for it. I wasn't the best man. <laughs> Well, we can talk about our busy lives all day here, but we have to talk about Wonder Woman because this was the turning point for the DC franchise, DC slash Warner Brothers, because this movie was dope. I'm pretty sure it's still holding a 93, 92% Rotten Tomatoes score. Um, This movie follows Diana Prince off of the island of Themyscira, the fictional island um, of Amazons. She leaves the island with the great Captain Steve Trevor to go fight in war- World War One, where she thinks the ancient Greek god Ares is... Ares, the god of war, for those of you who don't know, um, is just reaping havoc, just destroying the Earth, and he- she thinks he's the one that's doing this. And she's just... Gotta go be wonderful. 
Um, upon first viewing of the movie, Quinn, what did you think? Well, you know, so I watched it uh, on the iPad on the flight out to San Diego um, and loved every every minute. Um, Wonder Woman was right. It was Ares. It, I was wrong, though. I was uh, almost like a little twist at the end with who I thought was going to be Ares. Um, I think I went with the, the obvious choice, but I'm sure we'll get out to that. Movie experience as a whole, I enjoyed. Uh, Gal Gadot was awesome. This was my first, like, my first experience with just the character Wonder Woman, uh, which I was looking forward to. Like, I knew that she was in the universe. I knew she was around. Like, she was a little bit there in, in Batman vs. Superman. But this was my first like dive into that character, and I, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, after the film, I've just been like downloading all this information about Wonder Woman, Diana Prince, um, and picking up tidbits after the fact that um, I'm excited to watch it again and again. That with the more I know, so uh, definitely a movie for folks who don't know anything about Wonder Woman going in, and definitely for folks who. Uh, are all read up on their comics and I can jump in and find a bunch of nuggets. So it was a blast. Can't wait to talk to it, talk to you about it. Yeah. Um, we touched a little bit on wonder woman because of the Batman versus Superman gig. She wasn't really the focal point, even though I think we might've both named her the MVP of that movie anyway. Yeah. She's, <laughs> um, she's coming stealing, but we talked in that podcast too about the point of this. How did we not see something like this coming? Cause this movie was a major success. If you know, the DC universe, the justice league stuff, if that ends up spiraling uh, and Warner brothers decides to scrap it, they're definitely not going to give up on wonder woman. It's definitely going to be a trilogy that's uh, already in works with wonder woman part two, uh, a little bit of controversy coming out of that because uh, Rat Pack Dune Entertainment is a producer of that. And uh, Gal Gadot, as we had heard in the news in the past few weeks, she didn't want to be a part of that movie if Brett Ratner was still attached. Um, and Wonder Woman just really flexing her chops in more ways than one because she got him off the movie. She's the real star. And um, I'm glad the, the movie studio was really able to pick up on that and just sided with the fans sided with gal sided with america at this point <laughs> yeah absolutely and and uh, just to speak to that a little bit further too uh there was other stories kind of on the fringe about gal gadot and some time growing up um as a younger woman and and i, I believe it was penned by a, an old roommate actually um and it's a riveting tale. I have no idea what the truth to the tale is, so I don't want to throw too much out there. If you just Google um, some Gal Gadot stuff, I'm sure you can find it. Um, but she got a little bit of controversy there, not too much addressing it, but uh, I think it was important coming out of Wonder Woman um, that she not only continued the wonderful uh, acting prowess that she displayed here, but also continuing to be that figure uh, of feminine power, uh, of being a role model for everyone coming out of that film uh, who got to see her on the big screen. Um, and I think that decision going forward and uh, with her career and, and personal choices, I think she's going to be a leader um, going a little bit out from the movie into some deeper stuff. But um, 
I'm here for it. I'm here for Gal Gadot uh, doing big things and calling the shots and, and being a, a feminist icon. Yeah, I remember when I saw this movie the weekend that it came out, driving home and um, just messaging the group chat, just like, hey, guys, I am all in on Wonder Woman. And I was... I was fucking jacked up, you know, all the way home because I had seen that movie and it got me pumped. Um, superhero movies usually do that anyway, but I was just, I was all in. I wanted more of Wonder Woman. I had said that, um, you know, Wonder Woman is going to be the costume choice of girls everywhere for Halloween this year because it came out, uh, you know, slightly before that over the summer. And I was just like, you know what? This is going to be something that uh, women will want to gravitate towards. And I think that just got emphasized more with the whole uh, Brett Ratner thing and um, just Gal Gadot as, as a whole, just becoming a larger part of this progressive movement. movement. Yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, um, while watching it, sexual harassment was on my mind throughout the film. Um, with the character Wonder Woman, um, is she a sex symbol? Is she a feminist icon? Is she, um, am I overthinking it? Um, and, and everything that's going on in our world, 2017, um, it definitely brought up a lot of questions throughout for me. Um, and I think maybe that might just be a good place to, to jump in for myself. Um, and I read a, a really interesting article and I'm, totally blanking on the name of, of who penned it. But the, the line that I just pulled out of it in my notes here was, I was this woman talking about how alluringly feminine Wonder Woman was in the same way Batman is to men, uh, which really kind of struck with me that like, this is a, uh, she can be all of those things. She can be sexy. She can be powerful. She can just be uh, an ambassador for her people, for a human race. Um, much in the same way that, like, I would look up to Batman, like, I want to be jacked like Batman. I want to be, um, maybe not the playboy, maybe the <laughs> the rich dude, uh, like, kind of calling the shots and, and pulling some political strings. And, like, I guess in the same way that I look up to Batman, yeah, yeah. Why shouldn't a, a woman be able to look up to Wonder Woman um, and take whatever she wants from that, whether it's, I want all these guys, whether it be um, Samir to, to compliment my beauty, or I want um, Captain Steve Trevor to want me, but also at the same time uh, be recognized by Sir Patrick Morgan as this ambassador. And, and I mean, Wonder Woman in the comics goes on to be a UN ambassador. Um, so I just want to jump in with that and that, seeing it through that view of this alluringly feminine figure in the same way that a male would want to be Batman um, made me just love it even more. And I can't wait to, to talk through it with you. Yeah. I think uh, you see aspects of this throughout the movie. Uh, Patty Jenkins just, I mean, she blows it out of the water here. Um, and I want to talk about Patty extensively a little bit later, but she does a really good job of not just with Wonder Woman, but with the Amazonians as a whole. Um, not necessarily like playing these characters down to be like, hey, we're 
women, but guess what? Men, we're just the same as you. We're humans too. Like, no, she kind of depicted them as what they can be if they maybe maybe a better version i'm I'm blanking on what i'm trying to say here but <laughs> it's, it's exactly what you said you know they're not playing down the standard like a woman can be a fighter smart and sexy without having them be just overly sexualized as an object or things of that nature um uh during my deep dive, I found that Patty Jenkins and like the costume creators, they collaborated and they had the Amazonians in heels for their sandals. I, I think it's like part wedge or so, which, yeah. I mean, strategically, that doesn't seem like it might be the best thing to fight in. But at the same time, they're like, hey, these Amazonians, they have long, beautiful legs these heels will accentuate that we want these women to look like warriors, but fighters and sexy at the same time. Like it's okay for that to happen. Um, there is a stark difference. We might get to this when we talk about justice league, how the Amazonians are dressed in that movie compared to this one, but that is for an extra pod. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as a man, I think it's totally okay to kind of sit in some of that uh, sexual assault guilt a little bit throughout the film and, and, kind of dig a little deeper into your inner self. I know we had had a conversation a while back about things maybe that we've said or done in our, our past lives as, as undergrads. Um, and it's totally okay to kind of reminisce on that. I think it's natural and, and people should be encouraged to do that and find their own faults. Um, and if Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman does that for you, uh, all the more power to this film to, to continue kicking ass both in, in film and, and in the real world. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, everybody should see Wonder Woman for what it is. It's a great film about a woman superhero, the first since Elektra, which didn't really fare all that well. But uh, this one was wildly successful. And it makes you think, you know, what what sort of corner has DC created here that Marvel just didn't want to hop onto initially. You know, why are all their uh, primary Avengers men? You have the Black Widow, but she's a co-star. You know, she's not, she doesn't have her own movie to helm. She doesn't have her own trilogy, her own franchise. She shows up in Iron Man 2, but why why doesn't she have her own movie why didn't marvel foresee something like this being so successful like women want to go see movies too women aren't you know they're not separate from men in that they don't want to see comic book movies or superhero movies they want to go see that stuff too and this is something that is for them as much as it is for a wider audience i'm usually marvel's on top of that sort of thing yeah, absolutely. And this is that kind of that one spot where DC has the leg up. Um, you know, for every Batman, you got an Iron Man. For for every Superman, you got Captain America. Um, there's not really a a comparison to Wonder Woman. She is she's her own. She is is I think the franchise right now um, for DC. Yeah, um, I heard a lot of buzz. This is kind of off topic, but I promise I'm going to bring it back. You All know right. that. That recent movie, Atomic Blonde, with Charlize Theron? Yeah. 
people were excited about that movie because they were she was on like the Bill Simmons podcast and you know they were talking about how that was going to be like the female John Wick and how people were excited with that once the movie dropped though people realized it wasn't really the female John Wick it was just another guy taking a really hot woman actress and kind of overly sexualizing her um I haven't seen the movie personally but that's just the reviews that I've heard it makes you wonder why can't Marvel do that with Black Widow? Like, I would be first in line for a Black Widow, like, spy espionage movie, even like a prequel. You know, maybe Hawkeye plays like a secondary character who shows up in like the second act or something like that and then disappears by the third, but he helps her a little bit. And, um, I mean, they could even take a play right out of Wonder Woman here and, and Steve Trevor playing a second fiddle. Um, he's throughout the full movie, but he was definitely not the lead. And and even in the romance of the story, um, Steve Trevor's fate uh, in the end um, didn't dictate the the actual romantic story of Wonder Woman. Yeah, definitely not. It was more about um, this tale of a something they might have been able to depict with Superman if Superman wasn't, you know, crash-landed on Earth. You'd have to do a whole origin series on that. But it's a, it's basically a fish-out-of-water tale here with Wonder Woman where she is entering this new world. She doesn't know anything about it. Um, she doesn't know what ice cream is. She goes from this tropical Greek island, essentially, to just dark and gloomy industrialized nation in uh, Great Britain and she doesn't she doesn't understand what's going on completely and that's more what the story is about is her trying to keep faith in humanity losing that faith regaining it um, that's more the story rather than the Steve Trevor bit even though I got pretty sad during that final act oh yeah absolutely <laughs> um, yeah absolutely got pretty sad that like I uh, just want to jump right in at the last scene right now. Is it is it too early? Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Wonder Woman yet, please pause right here. Yeah, now's Go the watch time to the movie and then pick up the podcast afterwards and listen to our lovely voices again. But yeah, let's just talk about the last act here and yeah. what it means going forward, all that other good stuff. Yeah, so I I mean, first of all, uh, as a romantist myself, uh, taken from from yours and Roger's last pod, found out that you were a romantic. Um, but that moment when Steve Trevor's looking back, about to pull the trigger, blow himself up, save the world today so that Wonder Woman can save the world forever. Um, that was like everything I needed in that scene of just a little bit more time. Um, mm -hmm. It kind of fully encapsulated him as a as a human mortal human in love um but also in a bigger mission to end this war um and admitting that he just wanted a little bit more time with diana prince um wonder woman and just his his facial expressions in the plane when he looks back looks at the gun looks back and then you see the explosion that uh, goosebumps right there. And, and that was well worth the, 
the price of admission that I didn't pay. But <laughs> yeah, I just want to say I want to interject and then I'll let you keep going. That final shot of Steve Trevor before he actually pulls the trigger there, it to me it was kind of like a, a expression of acceptance. Like he's like, okay, I have to do this. This is what's happening, and I'm okay with it. Um, it wasn't like a a grimacing despair, like ah oh, shit. I have to sacrifice myself for these assholes that keep on warring over the dumb things in life. Uh, it was, it was like a, just an expression of acceptance. And that's what really, I think gets you. Yeah. And as the, the movie goer, um, there's acceptance for me too, in that his personal story was ending, but the wonder woman story wasn't. Um, and that was just the kind of the first introduction to the world for wonder woman. Um, through Steve Trevor um, and through the end of his life. And, and I mean, the movie even starts out and ends with a callback to Wonder Woman emailing with Bruce Wayne, uh, thanking him for this reminder uh, of Steve 70, 80 years down the road um, and how the, the romanticism built into Steve falling in love. Um, I imagine Diana having some feelings back um, but yet the kind of closing out of the film then with, with Wonder Woman reaffirming her oath uh, to humanity um, and falling in love with being a protector of humanity and, and the bigger storyline for her through the next film um, was just a fantastic combination uh, of one tale ending, but yet a whole world opening up for, for the Wonder Woman character. Yeah, I feel like it also, too, for Diana, adds a little bit of emotional depth for the character, kind of in the way that um, uh, Superman's dad – why am I always blanking on this? Something Kent. Um, Do you remember? (laughs) I I always want to say Clark, but obviously that's Superman. Um, I always want to say Kurt Cobain. (laughs) Kurt Cobain. Yep, close. Very close. Uh, I don't know. The alliteration with letters just really – really gets to me uh, moving on my point is it adds a little bit of emotional depth in the same way that that did for superman because these guys are just their power is essentially limitless you know diana is basically a god goddess um she's you know a sunny side up type of character until she realizes that these people are fighting, not because Ares is making them, but because that's just human nature Um, that combined with losing somebody she started to care for deeply. um, I I thought that added a little bit more depth. Oh, that reminds me though. She did lose somebody earlier in the film. Wasn't as heartbreaking for her, I feel like, or the audience, but it was heartbreaking to me. Robin Wright, we hardly knew you. <laughs> we hardly knew you, but you you trained one badass warrior, um, R.I.P. Antiope. Which is a weird tie-in because, not to make this entire podcast about all these sexual assaults. No, we're here. Let's have this. Let's have this conversation. Robin Wright, she's she's taking a page out of the Wonder Woman playbook, and she's going to be the new lead for the final season of House of Cards, which I feel like if she does a great job in that role, which I already know she can because she's 75% of the reason I watched House of Cards in the first place, um, why not just continue that series with Robin Wright in the lead? 
You know, I, I why? think that's a good litmus test. Honestly, I I thought the last season, the the most recent season, was going to be all about her taking that throne. I mean, it ended up in the end turned into that. Spoiler alert! Yeah. <laughs> um, but she took yeah, over. So. Why not? This is. Um, Oh man, can I can I give some more House of Cards spoilers? You want to give another warning here, or uh, no? Nah, you guys turn it off. Why why are you on this podcast if you want some House of Cards spoilers? I'm gonna throw it out there. I honestly I was ready um, for Frank Underwood to die when he got shot, and for Robin to work her way into it. Um, they wasted so much time to get to where I wanted it to be, and and now we're at where it it should be. Um, sure, the the Frank Underwood character absolutely was a. a phenomenal antagonist um now will forever be an antagonist and they can cement that legacy with in life <laughs> with robin um and, and i would i would love for it to carry on for three more years and for her to just be a badass spitting all over his grave honestly what more did he have to do once he lost the presidency like I feel like his story was just done you know it's not like he was going to get that presidency back like yeah, what? absolutely. Every storyline was just, just bring it on out to the furthest. Um, just just like we have taken this out to the furthest. Oh yeah, we're hopping all over the place. That's okay. That's okay. Wonder Woman makes me feel like I can do anything. So that's why I mean, going all over. You're in no man's land right now, and I'm just I'm just following you, taking all the all the gunfire. Okay, this is a great time now to talk about the best scene in the movie. Do you have? Is this your nominee for best scene, or do you have another one that you thought was far I've got superior? A, I've got a. It's not quite a one B. It's like, it's a, it's a number two scene, but it's. I don't want to throw it down at a two. It's it's the first scene where, um, Diana Prince is, is welcome to Yold, London, um, the coloring in that shot. Um, it's dark coming from the Masira. I'm going to mispronounce that all night long. Um, coming from this gorgeous tropical land uh, into our World War I world. Um, she's being introduced to fashion. She's being introduced to politics. And uh, it is a dark world. And that like just sets up the stage for me that this is not only a popcorn movie, but all right, this is some good cinematography, some good editing going on. I felt like I was in World War One. We had had a, a chat in the group chat about how there aren't a lot of World War One films, um, and this really did a, a good job to me. I, I mean, I was not in World War One, so who knows what it was actually like? <laughs> Spoiler, um, but it, it did a good job for me about just showing how drab that world was. Um, so her welcome into London was. It was close, but yeah, the, the top scene, definitely No Man's Land. Um, walking through those trenches again, the the dark shots. Um, but through that darkness, um, Steve Trevor telling Wonder Woman that they can't go across there. It's No Man's Land. Um, they can't save that baby in the trench. They got to keep going. Uh, and she just says, no, I'm going to do what I'm going to do takes down the hair, gets into the outfit. It's bright Wonder Woman colors. I, I honestly couldn't tell you if she had cleavage showing, how much leg was showing, any of that. It was just this, like, bright eclipse of a hero 
jumping out of the trenches. The shield, which had been lost <laughs> since London. I have no idea where she pulled that shield out of. Pulls the <laughs> shield out, runs across no man's land, takes all the fire. They went over the trench. Um, yeah, that was fantastic. Um, it was moving even when uh, Samir and Charlie and Chief uh, and, and Steve come running up. Um, I watched it earlier today, got a little goosebumps. Not going to lie, it's a it's a damn good scene. Just that coloration, I, I can't speak to it enough. The coloration of World War One. the we don't even know why we're here. We've been in this trench, we haven't moved an inch. And, and she just breaks through, and, and that's what, what the world needed. Um, and, and probably still does need, absolutely still does need. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's not like she hopped out of that trench and then it was slow motion Baywatch scene, basically. It was not the point that you were focused on. I did like the juxtaposition of her um, of her uniform and her compared to like the backdrop of everything that's just dead. Ruins, smoke, ash, everything like that. Um Melania couldn't have designed that set any better. Oh, yeah. She had her hand in that for sure. That, Is that a little blow? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm taking it off track. Keep going. She recycled the dead branches. That's for <laughs> sure. Um <laughs> but yeah, this is the scene. I think this is tops for me. I do have a close second that I want to talk about too. It's a little bit smaller, not as significant, but I do enjoy it. Um, this is the scene where she essentially becomes the beacon. I think I do believe it, it was a scene that I read about in my deep dive for internet research. But I think the cast and crew, when Patty Jenkins wanted to film this scene, they weren't entirely certain of its purpose and like why this portion was in the film with why she was, um, you know, just kind of walking through no man's land and kind of gradually building up steam and then, you know, shielding those bullets with her, her special shield that she found again. Um, but seeing it on screen and seeing it play out a hundred percent, everybody was just like, okay, I get it now. I get why the scene is here and why it's absolutely necessary and pivotal for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Really powerful scene. And even into the next scene in the town after defeating everyone, I mean, she's got some real oh. badass moments jumping up onto the, the roof, uh, tearing, just tearing through the army and trenching that city and, and liberating those people. Um, I honestly felt like I felt like Samir felt when they're having a drink uh, in that town and just dancing. Like I just felt like everything's gonna be okay. Like it's just a bright spot in World War One for these people in the film, um, and a, a night that I'm sure they're gonna remember forever. If you if you really put yourself in that world, and for me it was just like, wow, we just had a fantastic scene a fantastic rise up call to action you could have easily just transitioned it right into um the next plot points but taking that break even afterwards i think just strengthened it even more um we got a little bit of some more romanticism uh with steve trevor and uh spending the night together um but it, it through the whole part of that scene it just felt like a celebration of wonder woman uh, a celebration of Gal Gadot's 
performance in that scene it just felt right um, felt like a cast rap party <laughs> yeah it, it honestly just like felt like i was there with them having that beer like we effing did it guys like we got wonder woman to be the top box office film and it's it's super rare that i remember how i feel in a movie theater watching a particular scene but following the no man's land portion when they get to that town and Wonder Woman just unleashes her full abilities and shows everybody what she can do, like that whole crew that she's with, Steve Trevor and all them. She's jumping on roofs. She breaks into that room, and we've seen Superman battle Zod. We've seen with the you know the quick motion and the super strength. We've seen Batman have that dope video game fight scene, essentially towards the end of Batman versus Superman. But this scene right here where she's in the room and she's sliding all over the place and she's messing with the truth is going crazy. Yes. I remember I think I said oh shit in the movie theater during the scene <laughs> like three times. I hope none of the children in the theater hold me because I was just like, oh shit. Oh shit. <laughs> it was it was awesome. It was really cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember feeling that same amount, even I mean, like I really enjoyed the battles in, in Smallville and um or just Man of Steel, uh, when Superman's realizing his powers. Um, I really enjoyed those scenes and definitely felt something there. Uh, but this was this was that next level. This is the just the next point in where you want your superhero films to go, I think. I think oftentimes it's hard to be critical with a superhero film. You're just like, I enjoyed that. That was fantastic. Had some popcorn, had a Mountain Dew, loved it, great movie experience. But this scene for me takes that movie experience and just puts it into um, you can make it into uh, a metaphor for your daily life today. You can make it into um, callbacks to Wonder Woman in the comics. You can make it um, just anything you really want. And it's just a powerful scene and well executed. Again, going to go back to the coloration was phenomenal. Um do yourself a favor and just YouTube that scene. Uh, Melania, Melania thanks you for the repeated compliments <laughs> on the dead trees. And She's having a great time. <laughs> Don't, she's, she's enjoying herself. Um, but I, honestly, go back to YouTube. Check out um, Wonder Woman, No Man's Land. Um, even like even do yourself a favor. Just do a quick like five-minute review of the movie and rewatch it if you've already seen it. It's it's worth worth checking out. Just just to enjoy that moment. Yeah, absolutely. My close second for favorite scene, I feel like I'm juggling now between the scene right after the no man's land, but I really liked the portion where she first gets to London and she just gets some ice cream from a vendor. She has some ice cream. She, she comments on how delicious it is and how that vendor should be super proud that they made really good ice cream. <laughs> that that was a good yeah, that was that was my number two. I um, thought I thought that was funny. I thought it depicted how well Gal Gadot was able to play like that fish out of water role and just how overall charming she is and just like as a person in general, that's what really came out there and that made me really feel like I I'm rolling with this character. I'm rolling with this actress. Like I will go 
I will go see whatever she does next for sure because she's she's charming and she's a great fit for this role. Yo, yeah, absolutely. She does it. She acts it really well. Um, I did read that there's some criticism around that scene, uh, which I wanted to bring Ooh. up at this point. <laughs> Not with the booze. Come on, come on. Um, there's some criticism in that it was too much of the kind of like this is Wonder Woman and uh, a feminist icon, and it's like the too much of the fish out of the water, too much of mermaid. Um, needing Steve Trevor to navigate that and just seeming uh, so naive. Um, I, w- I wanted to get your take on it, uh, see if you felt that while you're watching. Cause I certainly, I felt it a little bit. Um, the more I've sat and thought of it, I've come back to, to, I think a better place on that scene itself, which is why I, I bumped it up to two, but I want to hear just your, like, I, I didn't prep you with this at all beforehand or anything, but I want to hear your, uh, what did you think about was, was the fish out of water? Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman, a little too much fish out of the water. No, definitely not. I thought that scene was enduring, and I thought her the whole little thing she had with like trying on dresses and uh, basing basically kicking you know the patriarchy in the jaw with she's like, how do you women fight in this? Like, was this what you wear? Type of thing. Like, I feel like that could still hold up if it was a scene set in today's time um no I don't, I don't think it was anything of that sort where it was too much steve trevor leading her because it to me it would have played the same if steve trevor's character during those scenes was the short little assistant woman or if it was a scene in a movie where wonder woman's part was played by a dude uh, we certainly had plenty of those um I don't know. I, I don't think it was it was too much. You know, it's just it's playing into the role. It's not like she's going to go to this place where she all of a sudden has everything figured out that I wouldn't have believed. Yeah, I, I think it was necessary. Absolutely. Um, and, and certainly endeared us to that char- character, like you said. Um, while I was watching it, I, I did get some tinges of, oh, man. I don't know if we needed to go this far, um, but it did like when she's like all gung ho, um, telling folks that she is a a princess, and that's how her name gets changed to Diana Prince. Um, that's a nice little just pulling that piece in from the comics and like giving her that name for for me at the first time watching this and, and experience that character. Um, that this is her name in the comics. Um, and even when she gets set up as, oh, that's my secretary. At first, I was like, oh, that's kind of a slight um, <laughs> to Wonder Woman. Um, but then, like reading deeper into it, and how in the comics, she was a military secretary um, and basically worked yeah. worked her way up through the military to become a, a UN ambassador. Um, so I pulling back some of those callbacks. I even think the the dressing was a callback. I think in one. Uh, the comic series she's either like um like she owns a shop um uh, like a boutique I, I believe she owns a boutique um and I, and I also think looking back at all of those things like the dresses the secretary um is very they're very stereotypical woman interests woman professions 
uh, whether that's right or wrong, that is a, it's a stereotype. Um, and I'm glad that they confronted that as well. And I don't know if they meant to confront it, but for me, and I hope other people too had this feeling where I thought about that, like, does she really have to be a secretary? Um, and maybe I'm like bleeding heart liberal a little too far into that. Um, but it also was great to see then this fiery woman in this room full of generals and, and folks trying to negotiate a peace treaty. And she's upset. Like those are your leaders. Um, They're trash. Your leaders are trash. She says. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> I, I was talking to um, Alyssa about this earlier too, and how a woman can be all of that and still be the top mind, the stop, the top, uh, fighter. Uh, I mean, Batman in the comics calls her the best melee fighter in the world. Um, she can be all those things and still like dresses, or, or she can be all of those things. Um, she can be a woman, like she can just be a woman, um, whether it's being a stereotypical woman or whether it's fighting in a war. Um, I think you nice. gotta. I think you gotta think time period too. Like, it's it's really. It's it is kind of difficult to put like today's, you know, cultural norms into a period piece like this, um, because that's just, I mean, as unfortunate as it is, you're not going to see in World War One like a, a high-ranking female official sitting in the room getting the same voice as a male general. Um, oh, absolutely, and and the way she's kind of brushed out of that room. Um, by Steve Trevor. It it did not endear me to Steve Trevor, um, but it's also like that is what a male at that time period probably would have done. Um, and I think I think it's okay for us to to recognize all of that. Um, and maybe it's a little too much. Uh, maybe I'm diving a little too deep into it. But you know what, guys, women can be more than just trying trying on dresses, or or women can be more than just a sex symbol. Yeah. And, I think this movie does a wonderful job of, of bringing that to light. Yeah. Whether it meant uh, to or not. Oh, one thing I was going to mention before, too, about the Diana Prince thing. Um, a good reminder, too, that they actually don't even address Diana as Wonder Woman throughout the film. So oh, she yes. is the artist formerly known as Diana Prince. <laughs> um but I mean, they don't give her like the the Wonder Woman moniker. I think that would have been super difficult to do. Like, I can just picture if they had done this, like the before the No Man's Land scene. Like, who is she? What is she doing out of the trench? Her? She's a wonder. She's a Wonder Woman. Oh, man. <laughs> that would have been so. That would have been so cringeworthy. That's uh, that's what I'm picturing in my head. I feel like Zack Snyder would have done that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cringeworthy, but I also saw a shout out to Reddit. Um, someone talking about like, can you imagine watching a Batman film and never actually saying Batman? Um, but but yeah, never never calls her Wonder Woman. I loved it. Um, well, even still, in like the Christopher Nolan series, they called him the Batman. There's like, hey, there's that dude that dresses like a bat. He's the Batman. He's not like. Yeah, that's that's our superhero that protects our city. His name is Batman. You know, Bruce Wayne. What do you mean? Where is she? Where's Wonder Woman? 
Um, any other film notes before we dive into some of this post-credits uh, internet research? Yeah, so film notes. Um, can we talk about the... Uh, I, I would consider a twist ending with uh, Ares. Oh, yeah. Um, first of all, David Thewlis coming in. Just... <laughs> Batten a thousand. Uh, most of you might know him as Professor Lupin from the Harry Potter trilogy. I'm not really familiar that much with the rest of his work because he is uh, an English actor primarily, but he's got the Harry Potter credits under his belt for sure. I thought he was pretty wonderful in this movie as well. Um, are you buying him as the Greek god of war that? suddenly has a giant armor suit and is just powerful as all hell. Uh, um, I think that summed it up. It was, it was weird. Um, mostly cause they left his, his mustache in there. Um, that was a little <laughs> off putting to me, even the callback to him, like naked and weak. And he still just has his giant mustache. Could not look past the mustache. I couldn't. Um, it was an awesome twist. It wasn't who I expected it was going to be. Like, I mean, hopefully you know this already, but I, I definitely thought it was going to be Maru, the chemist, uh, the chemist female, which who would have thought two uh, two females playing some big roles? But no, yeah, it ends up being Sir Patrick Morgan, um, the inside man. Um. That would have been interesting if they just flipped it and made Ares actually a woman. But who knows? That probably would have had a ton of other different watchdogs on the case. Be like, why is the God of War got to be a woman? Are you saying all women are mean, angry people that want to fight all the time? Or some dumb shit like that. I don't know how it is. <laughs> but in uh, what was the name of the actor? David Thewlis. Yeah, in, in David Thewlis' defense, uh, he is the... Uh the best professor of the dark arts uh, in Harry Potter. So why not, uh, why not pull a little bit of that magic basically out here? Um, I, I think his, his speeches in that scene are, are fantastic. The fighting parts were, they left something to be desired after, I mean, no man's land scene blew it away, blew the entire movie away, but um, the closing fight scene. And, and honestly, I, never been really super impressed with dc's like closing final battle like i've been more impressed with just the story and the the battle in the end kind of gets a little cheesy and cgi and, and just a little too much for me um mm -hmm. and again with this one here that big mustache sticking out and um him like pulling in some lightning bolts i chuckled a little bit i'll be honest um the storyline the part of that uh who it was um his Again, his script um, and what he's talking about of, of humans being this way inside of them, that they, they'll do things to create war on their own. Um, fantastic. The David, actual fight. Eh. David Thewlis, mischief managed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say, though, in this portion, when because we already talked a little bit about uh, Steve Trevor and his uh, heartbreaking end. How 
they kind of stop the fighting and Wonder Woman's kind of using her her super senses essentially to really call recall and remember and hear what Steve Trevor was saying to her before he left. Uh, that was 10 out of 10 would say it was better than Batman realizing that he and Superman both have mothers <laughs> named Martha. So I think that was way better in that sense. Um, but yeah, uh, David Thewlis, mustaches, Martha. <laughs> I still, I just love the line. I can save today. You can save the world. That. Yes. I mean, that's some good. That's some good teenage angst. Writing some stuff down in a journal right there, um, but on the big screen, and and I loved it. And I'm I'm okay with the cheesiness that that was. Um, it was done well, and the love story didn't overshadow the Wonder Woman story, which is fantastic. Um, I'm curious uh, what you thought about General Ludendorff. Uh, uh, he was also in play to be Ares um, and turned out to not be Ares, um, but did suffer suffer some death. Yeah, I think he was... He was a good tool to kind of be a bait and switch for the final villain. Uh, he, otherwise, he just kind of was the the character where justified where they focused a lot of hatred for the main characters. Um, but I don't. I could have definitely foreseen him as Ares, and I don't think it would have taken anything away from the film. But I like that they kind of just spun it on its head and didn't make it so blatantly obvious who the the real big bad was. Um, and it's not like they showed who the true villain was in the in the trailer for the movie or anything like that. So that's already a win for DC. Yeah, absolutely. I think that. Uh, got some actually good reviews from folks. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm definitely throwing some shade on the mustache, um, laughing it up a little bit here. But I, I do know that that part was from fans. It, it was well received that it wasn't General Ludendorff and it wasn't the the chemist Maru. Um, did you get a, a Steve Bannon vibe from General Ludendorff at all? Hmm. I couldn't quite place his creepiness in the scene when he's dancing with Wonder Woman. And that's I what I've settled on, but I, I can't quite tell who he reminds me of in real life. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Ludendorff doesn't look like he's perpetually waking up with a bucket <laughs> of water dumped on his head. I, don't, I mean, when he takes <laughs> the, like, the smelling salt stuff and his face transforms a little bit, that's all I, all I could place. But that's maybe a, maybe a tangent too far. He's um, turned on super smart. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's uh, we're going a little long on time, so let's jump into the the post information. I got some some tiny bits for you, and then I want to talk about Patty Jenkins some more. Sure. Um, as of course we like to talk about with the other superheroes, we got to talk about this with Wonder Woman as well. She did train for nine months to gain seventeen pounds of muscle. So even though you might remember her obviously from Fast Five and Fast and Furious and Fast and Furious Six, she was kind of <laughs> I don't a, I don't remember her from those. 
oh come on man go back and watch those <laughs> you're on your own <laughs> <laughs> she she's more of a sleek like elegant figure which made me drawn to question of you know whether she would be a a, a viable superhero but she obviously just she gained a good amount of muscle even though she didn't look obviously like the linda carter version of wonder woman i thought she definitely looked more athletic basically and it, it showed for sure yeah no no disagreement here um i gained 17 pounds over the last three weeks with thanksgiving and uh and <laughs> wedding and vacation uh but uh i'll try to put that into some some wonder wonder woman uh weight sets here this coming week nice <laughs> yeah i can't i can't disagree with the training regimen um yeah carry on what's next uh nicole kidman passed on the queen hippolyta role um i Ooh. believe there there might have been a scheduling conflict but she is going to be playing queen atlanta or at, at lana not atlanta like the city at lana um, arthur curry's mom so she'll be in aquaman um i'm pumped for that because uh jason momoa has turned into um another just fitness person that i'm starting to look up to and uh it's going to be directed by james wan and it's going to be super awesome because he was really really awesome in justice league yeah i'm i'm super excited for for aquaman um, I think we touched a little bit on casting with Batman versus Superman. Um, but anyways, I wrote down a few uh, that we can kind of call back to for possible Diana Prince's. Um, Kobe Smulders' name was thrown around. Kate Beckinsale, Sandra Bullock, Rachel Bilson, Angelina Jolie, Ava Green. Now, these are names that were tossed out over the course of the past, like, 12 years. Because there was initially a Wonder Woman, like, they were in talks to start developing a Wonder, Mo Wonder Woman movie in 2005. Um, so that's where you kind of get names like Angelina Jolie and Sandra Bullock. Um tossed into that wonder woman ring but i love gal gadot i'm i'm not saying anybody else can do the role better i'm all in yeah i don't i mean it might be disrespectful even to throw some other names out there because of how well she did in in the role i mean there are so many fantastic female actresses female actresses yeah female actresses um put some respect <laughs> on gal gadot's name yeah, I have no. I mean, I have no complaints there. I, I also have no complaints with Chris Pine as Steve Trevor um, for other That's male cast. X casting. Um, I, I think they kind of they cast this movie all the way to. I mean, even Sir Patrick Morgan was cast well for that character for Ares. I'll disagree, but everybody else, I'm I'm all in. I, I mean, I don't see any like. There aren't any that are really glaring. Um, and even the way they were played, like I, I took fault with Lois Lane previously and, and the way her character was played, not so much with Amy Adams, um, but with the performance of Lois Lane. And, and, and all the way through here, um, I enjoyed all, all the different characters from they're a big player, like like Maru ended up being a little bit bigger player in the in the plot. Uh, making all the poisonous gases, uh, or even to Chief, who had a little bit of plot. They all had really fantastic dialogue, too. Uh, or like when Galvado asked Chief, like, well, what happened to your people? 
He points at Steve Trevor and says, is people. Um, and even when they ask, what are we fighting for here in World War? Nobody can really explain it. I think all of those little bits and pieces and even the little bits about um, like Steve Trevor and, and Diana Prince, uh, Wonder Woman um, on the boat uh, near the beginning um, and her not really understanding that it's awkward for him to sleep next to her. Uh, like those Improvised little interactions, by the way. Yeah, those little interactions were like the relationships I felt like I built with those characters became a little bit more than than what I was expecting to take out of the movie itself. Um, I loved every every character in this film. Um, if you or if any of the listeners get a chance, you should definitely check out. Um, I believe it was Katie Weaver who did the profile of Gal Gadot for um, GQ. Just a great profile. She's one of my favorite profile writers, Katie Weaver. She did one for um, one of my other heroes, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So <laughs> that's, why, that's why I remember her specifically. She does a good job, though. It's a great article. Um, Steve Trevor, possible casting. We have Liam Hemsworth, Alexander Skarsgård, or Scott Eastwood. Mm. They hit they hit the nail on the head with Chris Pine. Yeah, I mean, case. none of those guys can ride a motorcycle like Chris Pine can ride a motorcycle. Um, so, <laughs> they did. I mean, they would all be, they'd, again, they'd all be great, I'm sure. Um, I like Alexander Skarsgård, but... I don't like Pine's face. I'll be, I'll be honest, I don't like his face that much, but... Uh, I, I like Chris he's, Pine, though. He's definitely not an average male, that's for sure. No. Scott Eastwood, I just... I can't help but think he's kind of an asshole. I don't know why. <laughs> I just partially, maybe some things I've heard about his offset behavior. Um, Liam's ha- Liam Hemsworth would probably do roughly the same, maybe a notch below Chris Pine on the Steve Trevor trail. But- yeah, I can see that. Um, there's a name that uh, I don't think you've mentioned yet. Um, I'm a little surprised that you haven't mentioned his name, but I'm also totally forgetting Joe Manganiello. <laughs> is it Joe Manganiello? Is he in this role? <laughs> it is. It is. Um, he's been mentioned in every podcast so far, but uh, is it Matt Damon? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was Joe. Joe Manganiello. Uh, oh yeah, Chris Pine. All you man. Wait, was that actually it? Was it Joe Manganiello? Yeah, did you know he's been mentioned in each of our podcasts, I think? Well, yeah, I knew that, but was oh. he actually up for the Steve Trevor role? Oh, no, no, not at all. I was oh. just oh, you was just <laughs> wondering if he was going to make an appearance in this in this segment. No, no, I have to mention Matt Damon, too. We'll, but... have, to, we'll have to leave, like, Easter eggs in, in any future pods, just, like, throw him in, like, yeah, who do you think should be the, the coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers? <laughs> Joe Manganiello. That's who. No, Ben Ben Affleck doesn't actually make a physical appearance in this film. So Matt Damon, obviously, his name is not in any (laughs) part in that case. Do you you think Ben Affleck got any any check for the Bruce Wayne email address in this film? Probably not, right? God, that would be weird. 
but they didn't even like use his likeness. So I don't think that's something that yeah, that's true. happened. Um, let's talk about Patty Jenkins and I think we should wrap so I can let you go. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about her career trajectory because I wanted to know not necessarily where her career went after monster because she directed um, that Academy award winning movie. Uh, but she kind of, uh, she kind of went away from movies. So she directed Monster, then she kind of went to TV. Um, some of the things we might have recognized her directing are two episodes of Entourage um, in 2006. So she directed that episode um, when Queens Boulevard is like colorized, and uh, Billy Walsh says they Aquamanify that indie film. She directed that episode, and she also directed coincidentally the one where aquaman 2 uh, is greenlit and vince has to try to find some time uh to get medellin filmed and in, in that space before they start filming aquaman 2 um so those are two episodes she directed of entourage and then she did some more tv things but then she landed wonder woman and this is something that she's wanted to do for a long time and i mean obviously she's going to do wonder woman too um but yeah do you, do you find anything curious about that that trajectory or is that just kind of like maybe a little par for the course given hollywood's current state um yeah that's kind of right where my mind jumped to right away when you were going through that list um, I, I recognize the name from Arrested Development. Like, yeah, she did a couple episodes of that. Um, one, I think it was just one, even like right at the beginning. Um, but I, I had was not familiar with like any other work. That was just when I was doing a little little research and, and trying to figure out a little bit more about this director. I was like, oh, oh yeah, I remember that. Like, um, with other stuff, it makes me question a little bit too. Um, I mean, one last time, the coloration in the the film. I, I think she could do some some bigger things. The the dialogue, the even the fringe characters' dialogue again. Like to me, those are some building blocks of of someone who could make some really good movie. I mean, even like a, a Netflix series. Like um, when I'm watching uh, a Stranger Things, when I'm watching, um, I mean any kind of TV, I, I noticed things like that. And I, I think she would be a really good fit. Uh, I don't know if the right project just hasn't come along. Uh, I don't want to be super cynical. I, I've already mentioned my, my liberal tendencies earlier, um, <laughs> but I, I know Hollywood has a bad rap for a good reason in this regard. Um, and I would actually really enjoy seeing some some Patty Jenkins work outside of the Wonder Woman uh, films uh, going forward. I know she probably doesn't have a lot of time right now, um, but it's definitely a name that I would check out if if it came through um, that she was doing a, a ten episode series on. I don't even know what um, I'm sure she's got tons of ideas, but if it came through that she had signed on for a, a season with Netflix, Oh, check that show out. Um, well, she, okay. So wonder woman is the first female director to live action movie um, with a hundred plus million dollar budget. 
And it was also the highest opening weekend for a female director that made $103 million in the opening weekend. Um, so it's not, it's great for Patty Jenkins that she hit those milestones, but at the same time, it's just like, okay, it's 2017. How is this milestone of first female director live action movie with a hundred plus million dollars? I think that live action is thrown in there because there might be a, a first female directed animated movie that grossed or that had a hundred million dollar budget. I obviously can't think of anything, but um, I think because Zack Snyder has been helming these movies so far in the DC universe, this is something that they can jump on quickly in their extended universe that kind of took Marvel a little bit of time to do where they're taking these act or not actors, sorry, these directors that are creative um, just in their own right that have their own sort of vision. You, you see this with like Thor Ragnarok, um, Taika Waititi and Guardians of the Galaxy with James or James Gunn. Um, they kind of get a little bit more creative freedom to do some things. And that's something that DC, I think, should fully embrace like they should fully embrace patty jenkins having her own vision because she will be directing wonder woman 2 um they should let james wan do his own thing with aquaman um i'm blanking on who's directing the flash but i believe it's another um another little bit of a low-key director um Jesse Warren. Um, I'm gonna do a quick Google search. That's what um, I did. I don't think it has a director tied to it that I can see. I'm just on good old IMDb. But yeah, I mean, they could essentially get a a solid director that can create his own vision, but still have elements to remind people that hey, this is part of a larger universe, but it's not like Batman for Superman where that movie was explicitly a stepping stone. Um, it wasn't like its own semi-contained movie in the way that Wonder Woman is. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said that any better. Um, I did a, a did a little, little extra digging on, on Patty, and she actually does have a couple of episodes coming out on TNT with uh, Chris Pine as uh, one of the stars. On one Ooh. day, she'll darken is what it's called, a little TV miniseries drama mystery. Watching um, it. So I guess, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that in mind. Cue that up on the, the PlayStation View, put it into my shows, and, and let the DVR load up. Um, and she does have a, another film coming out called I Am Superman. Um rumored to be teaming up with Ryan Gosling. It's about a pit bull, not actually about Superman, um, but a pit bull, <laughs> uh, a fighting pit bull who uh, his, the pit bull's journey. Um, does, the I like pit dogs. Bull, does the pit bull become a family friendly dog at the end of the day? <laughs> I uh, think he becomes Mr. Worldwide. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. 305. I mean, it's called I am Superman, so I can only imagine. Well, that Ryan uh, Gosling range, <laughs> range for days. In all, in all seriousness, though, I think she's a name that we should be mindful of um, when checking out some new upcoming shows when you're looking for the next thing to stream. 
Um, because uh, again, one last time, I promise the lighting, um, <laughs> the colors, <laughs> the dialogue, the the story arc that the big build up fight scene in no man's land to the the deep valley of peace and and calmness that was felt uh, when they're having some beers and dancing afterwards uh, and then building it back up to that final scene it's just, it's just really good story arcing and uh, i'd love to see what she could do with 10 episodes or something yeah for sure um i think we're kind of out of time uh but i just want to say quickly as we have been um ike Barinholtz award obviously going to robin wright uh, just because she's fantastic. The Ike Barinholtz Award, for those who remember from the Suicide Squad podcast, that is the underutilized actor-slash-actress award. Movie MVP, it's it's Gal Gadot. She's, she's the LeBron James of this franchise. She is just... She's going to win MVP for every movie that she portrays Diana Prince in from here uh, on out. Yeah, since we've got a pretty slam dunk MVP, I do want to hear uh, your sixth man out of uh, out of all the French characters. Who's your sixth man? Sixth man. So is this a person that's like just coming off the bench and scoring? Like, like when, when they're in a scene, they're in minimal scenes, but the scene they're in, it's like that guy or or gal. Um, getting shots, making buckets, limited time, limited time. I'm going to go with, you know what? I'm going to go with the chief because he is actually fun fact. They confirmed that the chief is actually a native American God himself. Um, because Diana does speak to him in a, a language, um, a native American tongue. I can't, remember what it is specifically but they don't use subtitles for it it's kind of just like a a little nod to a a, it's a great nod too that's just a small nod to a portion of the native american population that would understand um what they were saying uh, just based on his name as well um yeah they confirmed that yeah that's the name of this certain god and he is in fact, that person. So that's nice. that's my MVP. Yep, or that's that's my sixth man as well. Or is, sixth is man. That's what I meant. Sixth man. Um, I think you pointed out a, a couple of tidbits in there that are fantastic. Every time he was on the screen, he was doing something that was memorable. Like he's the one with checked a grenade into the trench. He's the guy who all of a sudden comes around the corner with the car. They're right? going up that to the gala. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. Um, like he had limited action in it, but. Every every word he spoke, uh, every part that he played in it was fantastic. Him um, listening to um, Diana Prince talking about uh, her former world um, and everybody else kind of being skeptical on him, just being like, yeah, I believe it. Um, like He's just inserted himself in, in all the right ways. And, and maybe shout out to Patty Jenkins again for finding that actor, doing some research. Um, and maybe give, giving them some some opportunities to be successful with the limited screen time. Yeah. Um, so the actor um, by name Eugene Brave Rock, um, and just by contrast to I uh, blanking on the character's name, but the 
the Scottish sniper. I'm, Charlie? I'm par- yeah, I'm parking him on the end of the bench. He's not getting in the <laughs> game anymore. I'm sorry. I just kind of thought he was annoying. <laughs> I mean, That's all right. It's fair. It's fair. I, I didn't mind Samir too much. He was pretty good. But yeah, I, out of those three, Charlie's probably down at the bottom uh, <laughs> for me as well. Um, I've just got one last Wonder Woman tidbit that I wanted to throw into the pod. Otherwise, I think I'm ready to wrap up. How about you? Yes. I'm okay. All right. You feeling good? I'm going to leave you with this little tidbit uh, that I found in some some wiki diving. Um, Wonder Woman uh, was actually created back in 1941 um, by psychologist William Moulton Marston. That name means nothing to me. Um, His wife uh, recommended to him that the character should be a woman. Um, William Moulton Marston uh, is famous not only for Wonder Woman, but also for being one of the earliest folks uh, helping out to develop uh, the polygraph, um, which I thought was an interesting, fun little nugget, um, seen as they used the lasso of truth. Um, lasso of truth. And from his studies with the polygraph, he found that women, um, in his opinion, are best suited for world leadership. Um and wanted Wonder Woman to be psychological propaganda for the new type of woman who should rule the world. So thank you, William Moulton Marston, or, or maybe more thank you to his wife. don't know how much they downplayed that. Um, polygraph, Wonder Woman. I'll take Wonder Woman. I, th- I thought you were going to say through his extensive work with the polygraph, he found that women lie less. <laughs> oh, no. Like, they were more yeah. calm, le- lied less, <laughs> and more apt for... For the pressure pressures of of world leadership. What you mean? Women aren't too emotional to hold high office leadership positions. It's like, crazy. For you... instance, Oval Office or other shaped <laughs> offices. I, the <laughs> Oval, I, that's just a random shape. That doesn't mean anything. The corner office, yeah, all kinds of offices. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. It's not like he had any any need to lie about that either with the polygraph um, just <laughs> kind of putting that out there that from his studies as a, a psychologist that he believed women uh, should be in charge. Awesome. Well, we'll be back on the pod chat show. Um, hopefully coming up pretty soon. We got to tackle justice league. I think we should tackle some other possible superhero uh films coming up what we think their prospects are um but yeah go ahead and follow me on the twitters again uh at jordan underscore smith 27 you can catch my writing on there and guessing on other podcasts me and roger are doing our best to wrap up the star wars um just finished a new hope we got to lay down that podcast and then we're going to burn through three more movies yet before uh (laughs) next weekend i don't know how we're going to do it but the force is strong with us so yeah may the the force be with you um us c3po truthers are going to unite um throwing some shade (laughs) on throwing some shade on my guy in the last pod but that's all right uh i'm quinn kaiser you can find me again on twitter at hello quinny Uh, and signing out with I can't wait to see Ezra Miller as the Flash. Yeah. Hey, Ryan, play us out of here.